Welcome to the Eastern Hills Audio Podcast. We exist to help as many people as possible take their next step towards finding community and following Christ. Maybe you've got questions about Jesus. Maybe you're good with Jesus, just not his church. Maybe you're feeling disconnected and want to reconnect. We think you'll find our messages both helpful and hopeful. So enjoy. Well, hey, Merry Christmas, wherever you are joining us from, whether you're watching Christmas Eve at home with friends and family, or maybe you're listening to the podcast later in the week, it's great to be connected with you in this moment. But hey, if it is Christmas Eve and it's in the afternoon, you still have a few hours left to do some Christmas Shopping. Growing up, occasionally, I would get to spend Christmas with family out in in Bakersfield, California. And my Uncle David was notorious for waiting until Christmas Eve to go and do his shopping, which meant that if you had regular items on your list, just forget about it because you could expect something from the gas station because that's what he would hit moments before coming to Christmas Eve celebration. You would get things like the, an oil filter or snacks, you know, at the front checkout or maybe a few scratching tickets and That was just Uncle David. But if you're watching with someone that you love and care about in this moment, and you're uneasy about whether you remembered what you were supposed to get them for Christmas, let me help you out. In a moment, I'm going to count to three, and let's just all yell out together what we want for Christmas this year. Ready? One, two, three. Hair! That's right. You heard me correctly. It'd be amazing. It is Christmas morning. It's a Christmas miracle. I just wake up with a full head of hair. No more having to shave the chrome dome. None of that. Though it would probably freak my kids out a little bit. I, I don't know what's on your Christmas list this year, but I've got a few items in my Christmas bag. Here's the, here's the first one here. I'm sure nobody's asking for a yardstick this year, but I've got one here. Um, here's, a, here's another item, though, parents, <laughs> depending on how Christmas goes this, this year, I've got some pain relief. I've got a, a planner. Maybe you asked for a planner this year. Huh? It's helpful. Uh, maybe this is on your, your Christmas list. Uh, how about this? The romantic comedy, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Caption says, love is here to stay, and so is her family. One more thing that's in my bag this year. Is a is a blankie. It's uh, soft and and cuddly. Now, there's a method to my madness, and I'm going to explain these items in just a few moments. But my gift for you this Christmas, uh, regardless of what you believe to be true about Jesus or Christmas, or maybe you're stuck on the couch watching this with family because they say that you have to. I have a gift that impacts us all, and it's not in my bag. Actually, it's in the form of a question. You see, what's true about a question is that sometimes we can ask a question to get information. Like, why, what color is, is that jacket? Um, but sometimes we ask a question in a rhetorical fashion to make a point. How amazing was that concert last night? And so this evening, what I'd like us to do is to pause and reflect and consider this question. What child is this? It's an interesting question to ask on Christmas because even if you're not a church person, most people would say, we get it. It's about Jesus. You know, I get an A on the, on the exam. The answer is Jesus. It's Jesus in a manger. That's why we gather. And yet it's also true that in the, in the U S 4 million babies are born each year. 
So every minute a child is, is coming into the world. So we pause for a moment and just consider this. You know, 2,000 years ago, with everything going on in the world, in the Middle East, why was this child such a big deal? And what is the significance when we think about the answer to this question? This was a question that one songwriter thought about years ago. His name was Chatterton Dix. In fact, we just sung this song moments ago in, in 1865. He wrote this song, What Child Is This? And what many people probably don't realize is that he wrote this at the age of 29. And at this point in his life, he had been struck with a near fatal illness. He was confined to a bed for several months. And as a result, he had become depressed. And in talking about his purpose for writing the song, he said this, I had been ill for many weeks and felt weary and faint. And the hymn really expresses the languidness of body from which I was suffering at the time. He goes on to say, I recovered and I always look back to that hymn as the turning point in my illness. I think in this season, so many people can connect with suffering. You know, for some people, uh, you're suffering physically through illness or diagnosis, or you've recovered from an illness. And you can very vividly remember what it was like for those weeks or those months in which you were bedridden. For some people, you've suffered through mourning. It's this time of year where we remember those that we love that we once celebrated with. And that can be very difficult. For some people, they suffer psychologically, emotionally, overwhelmed with anxiety and poor mental health. There are also those that living during such a time as this has made you lose friendships and relationships over maybe differences of opinions or perspectives about how to respond and, and navigate where the world's at. There are also those of you that are, that are tuning in and, and maybe you're experiencing spiritual suffering in the sense that there are days where you wake up and you ask yourself, why does my life matter? And, and really, would anybody notice if I was gone? Why should I live another day? Well, today I'd like us to consider someone. Years ago, he wrote these words in isolation and suffering. He was, he was confined to an island. And as he looked back at his time with Jesus, he reflected on lost friends, friends that he loved and he cared about that were killed for their beliefs. They were beaten and they were tortured. And under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit, he began to reflect on the ministry of Christ and the life of Jesus. And he said this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And this phrase, the word, means the mind of God, that the mind of God was becoming a human. And the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And just a few verses later, John continues. He says, he came to that which was his, was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of, of human decision or, or a husband's will, but born 
of God. And then he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And so as we ponder this question, what child is this? I wonder if years ago, John was in a conversation reflecting on the child that was in the arms of Mary. And how would he have responded to this question? What child is this? He would probably say, this child, he is eternal. He said, in the beginning was the word. You know, it's interesting to think about God becoming human. Because when we believe to be true about the scriptures is that God has no beginning and God has no end. You know, others would argue that that child that was once in Mary's arm was a created being, born much like you and I, and that he did not resurrect. Some would say that he was a wise teacher, he was, he was a prophet, he performed miracles, but his life came to an end, just like every other human. They would even go as far to say that Jesus' death was an illusion, to which John would enter jacked and say, no, he is eternal and he is God. The word was God. You see, some would agree with John and say, sure, yeah, Jesus was God, but he was a God amongst other gods. Some would go as far to say that we can become a God just like Jesus. And for some of us watching at home, you know, Jesus is a way, but he's not the only way. And there are those of us that would say, sure, Jesus was God. But then we think about how do we interact with Jesus? What does our engagement with him look like? You see, for some people, when you think about Jesus, Jesus is kind of like this romantic comedy. Full confession. I know. I, I like romantic comedies. It's true. And I'm not embarrassed to say it. But what's true about romantic comedies is that there's all the feels. There's the highs and lows. But in the end, there's not a lot of substance and there's not a lot of depth. And sometimes when we think about Jesus, there's this emotional feeling. But whenever that feeling is absent, it's like the relationship isn't there or he's distant. And when you pause and consider and reflect Jesus in your life, if you were honest, you would say, there's not a lot of substance and there's certainly not a lot of depth. For some people at home watching this Christmas, you might say that when it comes to a relationship with Jesus or your understanding of Jesus, Jesus is kind of plan B. I mean, you've got your plans and your priorities, all the things that are important to you. And, and you know what? Jesus is kind of the, the backup plan or the, the spare tire, if you would, that if, if things go wrong, well, he's plan B and he'll figure things out in the end. You know, there are also those that, that are engaged right now and that, you know, Jesus is kind of a conscious reliever. You know, I can, I can do what I want, you know, and in the end, I just pop the pill and I'll feel better. And, and that gives you the relief you need to, to carry on. And then such a time as this, that there are those at home watching, you know, Jesus is a comforter. He comforts you in, in, in difficult times. But if you're honest, Sometimes you, you treat Jesus like the comforter. It's like, well, when you need him, you pull him out and then you're done with him. You, you put him away. And, and John would point out in a discussion like this, he would say, listen, more than pointing to Jesus as the one that helps us deal with life, what you got to understand about Jesus is that Jesus is the author of life. 
John would say about this child that was once in Mary's arm, that he is creator, that all things were made through him. You see, what this means is that we live because he lives, that the sun rises and sets because Jesus says, sure, that the grass withers and fades because Jesus says, I'm good with that. That when we marvel at the Adirondacks and the beauty of creation, Jesus said, yep, I did that. That when we enjoy a good laugh or a good cry, it's because Jesus created that within us. When we marvel at someone that's incredibly talented in a concert and we listen to them sing a song, God brought that into existence. At this church, we're gifted to have such a talented team and we, we reflected on some of these songs that we just sung and they, and they were powerful and meaningful. Well, God said, I did that. You see, what's true about creation, what's true about humanity is that we are made in his image. And, and more than just creating for the sake of creating, God's creation serves a purpose. You see, John would say about this child that came into the world so many years ago that he is the giver of life and that in him was life. You know what connects every single one of us? You know, regardless of your background in this moment, what I know to be true about you because it's true about me and it's true about the person that lives next door to you and it's true about the person in the grocery store. Everyone is asking these important questions. Where does it all come from? How should I live my life? Why should I live my life in this way? You know, what happens when I die. And what I also know to be true about you, because it's true about me, is that we all want to be loved. We all want to be known and seen. And we want to know that our life has meaning and purpose. And see, what happens, about those, what happens with those questions and these moments of suffering and pain is these two things collide. We want purpose and meaning and significance. And then we say, but I'm suffering and I hurt and I'm in pain. And if we were to present this reality to John, John would say, this is why Christmas is good news. He would say what was true about this child is that this child was fully divine and fully human. See, Jesus understands suffering because he suffered on our behalf. Jesus understands what it's like to live in a broken world because he came and lived amongst Humanity. Jesus understands the pain of family dysfunction. He understands the pain of loss. He understands the, the pain of relationships that are broken and gone wrong. He knew the reality of living in a world full of disease. And all of this is why Jesus connects with us in this Christmas. That it's this time of year where things that are hard and difficult seem to come to the surface and despite of all of the, the surface things that are saying, this is how we should feel, live, and act. There's something within us saying, oh, but this is hard. This is challenging. This is heavy. And I just, just feel, and I'm trying to, to navigate that. And, and if I'm describing you, I, I want you to listen to these words from, from a pastor that I came across this week. And, and rather than trying to summarize what he said, I just want to read what he said in response to this question, what child is this? He said, what child is this? This child is for those who look in the mirror and see ugliness. He came for daughters whose fathers never told them they were beautiful. 
He is for those whose lives have been wrecked by cancer and thought of another Christmas and the thought of another Christmas seems like an impossible dream. This child came for those who feel lonely. He is for those whose marriages have careened against the retaining wall and are threatening to flip over the edge. He is for addicts who cannot quit even in the face of death. This child came for those who are looking for love in all the wrong places. He is for those who have squandered the family name and they want home but cannot imagine a gracious, gracious reception. He is for parents watching their children's life fall into disarray. This child is the gospel. The good news for all who have sinned. He became a man and went to the cross. His resurrection solidifies the promise that one day suffering would end. And he did this for you and he did this for me. He did this for all of those who would receive him, for all those that would simply believe. What child is this? You know, what's true about my upbringing is that uh, I went to a, a Catholic school. And in fifth and sixth grade, um, I experienced a tremendous amount of guilt and shame in one moment where I had made some decisions that I regret. But I was called to the, the, the principal's office or, or the head nun's office. And I always wondered what would happen in this moment because I had heard the stories of those that would put out their hand and, and they would get hit with the ruler as, as a consequence for disobedience. And so I, I really didn't know what would happen next. And I can assure you that the, the conversation went, went just fine. But, but I share this story with you because for some of us, we approach a relationship with Jesus in this way. It's like we're being called into the principal's office and we're afraid of what's going to happen next. And there's all of this guilt and shame going on within us. And we're convinced that Jesus is there with that ruler or with that rod ready to strike us. And for those, and for those who think this way or believe this way about Jesus, if, if you were having a conversation with John, John would say this, he is grace and truth. He said, who came from the father, he was full of grace and truth. There's a pastor that I respect and he explains this tension better than anyone that I've heard. He says this about the gospel, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Let me tell you why this is good news. You see, this is what's true of that child that once was in Mary's arms. John says, this child he is Savior. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, I want to close with a story this evening. In the year 1871, the French army and the German army were in opposition. And in the midst of battle, a French soldier suddenly jumped out of his muddy trench. And with all eyes on him, he had, he had no weapon in his hand. Instead, he lifted his hands and he lifted his eyes to the heavens. And he began to sing the song, Oh, 
holy night in his native language. And after three verses, a German soldier jumped out of the muddy trenches, lifted his eyes and hands to, to the sky, and began to sing, O Holy Night, in his language. And after he stopped, both sides, for 24 hours, war came to an end. I share this story because in the midst of so much division and hurt in our world during this time, can we pause this Christmas to reflect on this question, what child is this? And so on Christmas Eve, as we've traditionally done, we light a candle. And in a moment, I'm going to walk you through exactly that. But it's in response to this verse. John said, this Savior that had come is the true light that gives light to everyone. This light was coming into the world. I want to invite you now to, to grab a candle around your house at home. And I'm going to invite you to, to dim the lights for just a moment and take a few seconds to quietly contemplate how would you answer this question? What child is this? Is he creator? Is he God? Is he fully human, fully divine? Is he the essence of life, the meaning of life? Is he your savior? And if you're unsure, I pray right now in this moment that the Holy Spirit would begin to move in your heart to give you the assurance and confidence for you to call upon his name. And if you've already made that decision and taken that step, in this moment, let's worship together in response to this powerful question, what child is this? As we reflect on that night that Christ came into the world, light into darkness. Let's do that now. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. For more information about Eastern Hills, please check out easternhills.org. We would love to pray for you. Email your request to office at easternhills.org. If you would like to donate to the ministry of Eastern Hills, click the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of our website. We look forward to connecting with you again next week. Take care. God bless.